So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. This is episode number 26. My name is Mike Fisher. Uh, guest today, Natasha Melendrez Knutson. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Good, good. I, I wanted to, to get that out and make sure we got it clear. I think I got it good. I, I think I did it right. Yes, you uh, did. President and CEO of Project Support Services. Um, thanks for joining us after holiday weekend. This isn't obviously going to drop anywhere close to July 4th, maybe in a few weeks, but today is the day after 4th of July, and here we are both uh, sitting upright, eyes open, and ready to talk, Yeah, which is uh, probably more we, more than we could say for a lot of the industry, but uh, welcome. Appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you for the invite. I feel very honored by you to do this. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, so how, how we get a lot of these started, you're a little bit different, right? Uh, typically, I'm talking to contractors, but it's it's great to have have you guys and, and, and people like you come on every once in a while on the, on the vendor side and just kind of what you guys are seeing and from your perspective. But uh, what's your story? How did you get into this industry? How did you get to the position where you are now in, in offering a service to contractors that, uh, quite frankly, looks pretty, pretty cool and fun? Yeah. So, um, I figure all great things start during a recession. Can you believe that or not? I, which is ironic. I've done a, I've done 175 of these episodes probably. And I, I would say more than 60% of them are, are the same story. It's where gladiators those, are made those, uh, in the yeah. winter during a recession. Yeah. So I love it. I, yep. uh, pretty much was laid off in the mortgage industry. And so I was like, man, I need to get into something a little more stable, which construction. <laughs> and I responded to an ad on Craigslist for to be a dispatcher at an engineering and testing firm. So they call the inspector. They send the right inspector to the right jurisdiction, county. I was applying to be that dispatcher. And so I got the job and I was really excited. And I was learning so much like, oh, if it's a rebar, inspe a rebar inspection, I got to send this person and do that. And so starting off at this engineering firm called Corey, I started moving up a little bit more and more. And then I became obsessed with reading uh, daily inspection reports because it told a story about a job. And so with time being there, they promoted me to, you know, project closeout manager. I had to read every report, every test result, find what went right, went right what went wrong. And um, there was a lack of leadership of women at the company. And there was just a lack of leadership, period. And I didn't fit that mold. And looking back, I didn't fit that mold. 24, 25, 26-year-old me, I need a lot of mentoring. But, you know, um, I don't think there were people there to mentor me. So the writing was on the wall for me if I wanted to branch off and go off on my own at 27, 28 years old, or I could stay there and know that that's the ceiling. And uh, someone like myself, you're just certain people are born with it. We're risk takers. We're trailblazers. I said, I have nothing to lose. I have a thousand dollars in my bank account. I wasn't married at the time. I had no children at the time. And I said, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? I just go find another job and work for someone else. And so I spoke with the owners and they were really cool about it. And they said, go, like, you know, um, see what happens. And if something does happen, it doesn't work out. You can always come back here. I said, awesome. 
Um, so I saw a need in the market for school construction. Projects were not being properly built per plan. So the le- the state would issue a letter called uh, closing out nonconformance. And it became a really big issue. There was like 26,000 non-certified in the state. And so I said, you know what? Like, I don't need a degree to do this because I actually don't have a degree. I have a certificate in construction technology um, and I have my experience at the engineering firm. I said, I could do this. So I, I started to get more clients that led to more clients. And now at a decade later, which is so exciting because you're supposed to fail by year 10, I have right, eight yeah. employees in two offices and we are doing amazing right now. And I'm ready for the next recession. I'm like, bring it. <laughs> So I am. I'm excited. People are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, opportunity happens in recessions and gladiators are made in recessions. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I strongly believe that if if you can make it through a recession, you're going to thrive out of it. Right. I mean, because it, it teaches you to be lean and and, uh, you know, focus on the things that are important in your business, um, you know, to, to stay alive yes. and, and grow out of it mm-hmm. for sure. So you left Corey. Around what you said, 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. So I actually left. I started 2008. I left in 2014, the like January. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was there for a while. So do you know Nicole Miller? Yes. Nicole yes, Sanchez I know Nicole. Now? Yeah, who's now at okay. CW Driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 She was. Uh, she was on the first iteration of this podcast, yeah. like very early on. Yeah, um, Nicole's a great woman. Yeah, she's. Yeah, out there killing it too. That's awesome. Uh, love seeing women in this industry be successful, just because it's uh not been the case for a long time so uh the more women out there that are uh being successful and being respected and and growing in this industry is is only for the better in my opinion yeah no we we work amazing with many personalities in this industry because that's what it is men and women (laughs) it goes both ways you gotta be tough too right you do and for some of us type a women who love to come at people hard. I love it because the men come back and I'm like, I'm going to sound like your wife right now. Here we go. And then we, they yep, start laughing. Yep. We start laughing and it's, it's a good time. It's the right industry for my personality because I'm very like, pop, pop. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah. and that's like you said, that is, this industry, is a, that's exactly what, what does well in this industry for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, so going back to kind of when you started on your own 2014-ish, you said you saw a need. What were what were some of those first few services that you were offering? How did you get in touch with people to kind of and, and, and validate yourself, right? I mean, in in their mind, you're just somebody that they could probably do just as good a job as somebody in their office, right? Like, how did you prove your worth, your value, and, and what kind of services were you offering early on? Okay, so first and foremost, what is what is a business? It's offering a product or service that's solving a problem. And... One thing I looked at was, A, no one was really passionate about solving this problem or obsessive or knew how to market really well. I was all three, passionate, obsessive, and I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to be the Michael Phelps. I'm going to be the Beyonce of this solving this problem by offering this service. And so with that, I was... I started the business when I was at Corey, and the owners knew, by the way. I, um, I was always upfront and honest with them. And being so young... I started to pretend to be something I wasn't, which was very mature. I started dressing older than I was. I wanted to look older because I'm like, who's going to give this 25-year-old young girl a chance with no college education? I was not an architect. I was not an engineer. And those are the two people that solved this problem. So also in every business, there is politics. And every industry is ran by head honchos. So 
One thing I was very uh, talented and gifted with, with is I can walk in a room and I can see who the key players are and who makes the decision with, with those. So in my industry, for colleges, there was one gentleman. And for K through 12, there were two gentlemen. And they had the most contracts and relationships with the, with the districts I wanted. So I went to both of them and said, hey, look, why don't you charge us hourly rate? I will give you half of my hourly rate. And then when the time comes, I'm going to branch off on my own. Both of these men, Ron Bueller, Sandy Pringle, amazing people. And they did that for me. They both helped me get my foot in the door. But it was a give and it was a take. And so as I kept doing that, I then kept seeing what events would market me more and brand me more. So cash, coalition, adequate of school housing. And then there was CCFC, um, college, something, facilities, something. I, I can't even think about it right now. But I went there and then I started branding myself by becoming a vendor and having a booth. And it's really funny. Look at my first my first picture of a booth. I have this poor pop-up table and these two pop-up banners. <laughs> and then today it's like fireworks go off at our damn booth. Like people come to it. And so that's how I was able to become really successful. Is you have to know with business of starting it, get them to understand that you are the person by passion because I would go to these meetings and I was like, pop, pop, pop. And they were like, oh, my God, you are the person to hire over this architect that's done it for 10 years. I knew, excuse my language, I knew my shit. I st and I still right. every day teach myself to know more and more. And then politics, who can open the doors for you where there's a give and a take in the relationship? To start off, you have to. You can't do it alone. I mean, you could, but it's yeah. going to take you longer. Yeah. So I made a sacrifice the first three years of sacrificing my hourly rate to be able to get in front of clients and build that rapport. And then once... The school districts hired me and saw what we could do. They would start telling their neighboring districts and I would use reference letters and it was like, boom, door open, door open, door open. I'm obsessed with opening doors. And yeah, right. that's how I was able to get started and just keep getting business till this day. It's word of mouth mostly, which is amazing. Right, right. Yeah. So you, you what you're what you're offering then the services that you're offering are more in line with being hired by the district through the construction process, not necessarily the the general contractor or or the project manager on the on the job. Okay, so that's another thing of business. You have to see who's gonna pay you quicker and who do you have more right, power right. with with the contract. So if I could have partnered easily with architects or contractors or the CM or the PM firm, but I said no, they're gonna pay me late and I won't have much control of the project. In order for me well, to in theory, if in one district you know, five different schools, they could have five different contractors, uh -huh. right? Because they're working off of a government bid. And so then you've got to, you know, there's five times more relationships you have to manage yep. and, and create. And I needed control of the projects. I needed to work side by side with the district on telling them who I needed on my team, what architect I wanted them to hire for me, what contractor I needed on the job, not the other way around. So I would go directly to school districts and offer that service, work as a liaison with them, consulting for them with that and then from that point i'd help be able to choose what architect i wanted what contractor i wanted and define the scope of work for everyone because again i had more control over the projects that way yeah yeah so what what kept the how hard was it to not i guess take a job as an as an employee of the district right i, I mean wouldn't it have been easier for them to just hire you and 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 use your services, you know, throughout the, throughout their construction projects or, or did you kind of, cause I, I guess that would be the, the one, 
drawback to going directly to the, the district rather than working with the contractors, right? Is that, um, they might see a need to, to keep you on full time. Yes. And so I think everyone sort of loses what consultants are supposed to really be doing. And I made that very clear. My job is to go in, solve a problem, but teach their team what to do. And I personally, they knew I am a businesswoman. I'm trying to create a brand and a culture in this industry that's missing for us women in construction. And they wanted yeah. to be a part of that. So for them to be a part of that was not by me becoming an employee under them was by them supporting me by working side by side and helping my company grow in that way. Um, so yeah, it could have been easier being an employee, I'm sure. But when you meet me, you know, like I'm not employee material. I'm a let, right. I'm a maverick. Let her go do what she needs to do to get the job done with her team. And I pull the team along yep. to the finish line with me. And um, also two facility directors usually move every four years in the industry. So that's a good thing because when they move, they take you with them and you can go anywhere. Right, right. So that right. that was another exciting thing to help districts out is we've helped every time they've moved somewhere, we've been able to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. So still, uh, if you, and I know we touched on it a little bit, but maybe just a, a little deeper into how you, uh, obviously there was knowledge and all those things, right? And, and, and knowing as much as you know about the industry, but you're, you're stepping into a process and, and adding a level of cost, right? I, I mean, in, in a normal situation, you, you aren't there, right? It's, it's, it's the districts and then the, the contractors and, and then they just figure it all out. You're interested yourself and, and obviously there's value there if you can do what you say you can do, but there's also a level of cost uh -huh. in a, in a, in a world where everything is pretty cost driven based on grants and, and, you know, city money and all that other stuff with, with, with schools specifically. So what was that process like in, in proving that what they're paying extra for was, was valuable enough for them to warrant, uh, you know, rigging you in? Okay. So I'll tell you about my mistake I made first. Um, when you're in school district construction, you do not want to go to the well more than once, AKA the school board, because contracts over a certain amount have to go to the board. So when the director right. of facilities or CBO takes your contract, they only want to see that contract once. You start to get a bad taste in the district's mouth or what the board is when you go back again and again. They're like, a change order, a change order, a change order. What's going on? Or if you're not very clear on the game plan with the entire district. So I had to go to the drawing board um, from my mistakes. I'm like, okay, how can I go to the team more than maybe just twice max? Get them to see the program of what we have to certify, how much it's going to cost, and get their buy-in to get them to do this. Because that's the thing is, all the stuff that we're bringing brought on board to fix is costing extra money that was supposed to be done right the first time. So now, now they have a right. bad taste in their mouth. Like, oh, the original team didn't do this right. And now we have to spend more money. Anyone's going to feel that way. That's like a contractor going in your home, putting crappy flooring, and now you have to pay someone again. It's like, you know that feeling. It's like, damn it. Right. So right. Um, I would do a phase one, phase two report and research evaluation. In the phase one, I'm like, like a mechanic. Let me look at every car. Let me find out every issue because every car is going to have a different issue. Let me uh, do a PowerPoint and Excel spreadsheet of what it's going to take after I negotiate with the state. And so once I was able to do that, the district was buying in and we were having less questions from the board because they saw everything that needed to get done. And then they, I'm like, well, how would you like to do this? Would you like to do these schools or these schools or this? 
And then they would say, you know, we want to do that, 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 put that on hold because we're going to demo that and do this. So then I got them to make the decisions and then trust was built and I would execute for that program. And then I'm the one making sure that everyone's staying on time, scope and budget. So scope creeps not happening and they're paying more and more money. When you don't facilitate things properly or plan it right, um, then the scope increases, costs more time, costs more money. And then people feel like you're not being careful in the work that you're doing. So yeah. we came up with that program to make sure we're catching as much as we could. Is it perfect to this day? No, we had a situation last week where something came left filled. It's going to happen time to time. But most of our yeah. jobs, it's like, no, it doesn't happen. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. No, and, and that's, and that's, I think that's a perfect, like you said, just being able to, to prove your value, um, in that, in that situation for sure. Um, so going back to kind of the, the services you started with versus what you guys now, what, what, where you are at now is, is there an increase of what you guys have been, been able to provide? Or are you guys adding new things as, as you're developing and, and moving along? Yeah. So uh, in business, you always have to make sure you are not a blockbuster, that you are always going to be the Netflix and even Netflix is now losing stock and clients. <laughs> so right, you right, have to right. make sure you're being the next and best great Netflix with what's going on <laughs> with the market. Um, it's really funny when I started the business in 2008, you know, as a side hustle. And then when 2014 came, everyone kept telling me, you can't make that a business and be you're going to go out of business soon because you're blockbuster. This There's this thing called DSA Box, a.k.a. the Netflix. That's solving a lot of problems. And I, I kept telling myself, I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to be out of a job soon? So in our industry, humans are not airproof. They make mistakes. People don't communicate. We are, as long as there's humans on construction jobs, I'm always going to have a job fixing construction <laughs> problems because yeah. I love you men, but you guys really don't communicate the best at times. There's a lot of <laughs> mind reading going on where us women are like, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no. <laughs> so we're the over communicators, I say. But yes, I, we have so much work right now. Um, we're having a hard time hiring the right people because there's so much work out there for our industry of what we do and where I'm trying to transition this company when the time is right is to construction management. There is not. I was going to say that's, I feel like that's a natural transition, it, right? I mean, you're, yep. you're doing, you're doing one or two things in that process, mm -hmm. you know, to make that job a little bit easier and, and, and subsidize some of what they're doing. But ultimately, you know, like, and I heard you say it a little bit earlier, you know, you're managing time scope and, and some of those other things of which, you know, it, it's, you're stepping into that project management role. And that was going to be my next question is at what point do you just become a project manager with an expertise in, in, in all this compliance stuff that you guys do so well. And exactly. So, um, a lot of entrepreneurs and owners have shiny object syndrome well, where they start to build their business and it's going, and then they want to like, it's halfway done. You got your first level up and then they want to go build something else and something else and something else. I've actually been very disciplined where we are structuring the DSA closeout certification project management consulting side very well where I'm not getting shiny object syndrome. Not till I have the house built 90%, I call it. I'm then going to transition the company into that. But we're not ready because the workload we have here. So I'm hoping within the next year to two that we little by little start to move in that direction. Because again, there, I don't know of one female minority women-owned business with 
mostly women in leadership. I'm sorry, but if you Google many of these companies, you will see men, 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 one woman. And also there's not a diversity in culture or races. And so I want to find passionate people who want to join my company to do that and be the first in it. So yeah, that's part of our purpose and our mission at PSS. Yeah. So on that, right, finding people in, in, in finding employees, obviously you have the passion, the knowledge and, and the drive to, to be who you are mm-hmm. and, and, and be the face of the business. But what is it like trying to find people to fill that gap and be able to, you know, step out and, and help you in that role, right? Because you can't be everywhere as you grow and, and you're getting no, more business. No. How, how are you finding those people? Is it, are you, are you looking for a, a culture fit that you can train and, and kind of take under your wing and teach everything? Or, or is there a level of, of, uh, I guess, you know, history or, or, uh, experience that's needed, um, to, to join the team? So I'm going to tell you the biggest trial and error. Um, the first four years, I hired off passionate people. I'm like, oh, man, if they're passionate, they're going to fit in PSS. Well, I didn't know they were passionate about van life or about starting their own coaching business or about <laughs> saving the planet. So every time I'm a very inspiring person, like you walk through my doors, I will make you feel like you're going to be the president of the United States. Like, that's just me. I'm a passionate person. So I would pump this passion into them. And they're like, I'm going to go start my business of coaching or I'm going to go do van life or I'm going to be a yoga instructor. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? So finally, (laughs) someone said like, it's awesome. You have that, but you need to get your mission, your vision, your purpose, your core values done. And once you get that done, then you hire people based off of that. And I was like, oh, so now before people interview with us, they have to align with our mission, our vision, and our core values because we live, breathe, and make decisions based on those. So that's how we hire now. And then so experience and and and, and none of that really kind of Oh no, no, uh, no, that matters. In, I, that, I guess. that matters. Well, <laughs> that matters. Well that and that's what yeah. I was gonna say, right? I mean, do you is there some level of experience that's needed or or do you guys have a program where you can train people up and, and, and teach them, you know, what you guys do. So when you're starting a business, you really can't afford these high salaries. So I would, I would do, right. it's called the 80, 20 method. I would train, um, people would come in with 20% of the skill set. Like I saw it in them. I would train the 80. Now we're at a place in the business where we can't afford these salaries. So it's opposite. They need to come with 80% of the skill set, and we train the 20 AKA DSA, the industry, things of that nature. Right. So we would have, um, certain people come into the interview and uh, you have to know how to read plans in my company. You have to know how to read plans. If you don't know how to read plans, you're not going to be able to do this job at all. And I, it's not the part yeah. of like, I need to know every detail. It's, it's example. I tell people, if I say, you know, Mike, where am I going to find forks and knives in a house? Where are you going to tell me to look? Yeah. In the kitchen. Right. Okay. If I'm like, Hey Mike, I need to find a hammer. Where are you going to tell me to look? in the garage I I need someone (laughs) at least with that mindset if I say tell me the PSI of that concrete tell me if anchor bolts were used they're gonna know to look in the structural part of the plans if I say hey tell me the layout of that building does it exist or not they're gonna know they're gonna need to look in the architectural part usually a 1.1 the site plan I need them to at least know where to look so we would hire people then we found out they didn't know how to read plans and so now we give a test and if they pass that test about 80%, they, I can train the 20. So I feel, too, at yep. a certain skill set, 
you have to give people tests because uh, I'm going to be political and tactful how I say this. There's there we would I need to just be honest about it. Okay. I would interview men and women and I'm telling you men have this confidence and I love this about them. But I'd I'd be like, oh, can you read plants? Yeah, I can read them. Okay, show me where the concrete's at. And they're like, well, I I really don't know how to read them, but I can figure it out next week. And I'm like, no, you can't. (laughs) Then I would interview women who've worked in the industry for 20 years. And this is what kills me. I'm like, hey, um, do you know what? Zero confidence. Zero confidence. Can you read plants? You know, I I think I can. Okay, take this test. They'd get an A plus and I'd be pissed off. I'm like, why are you underselling yourself? You know how to read right. your plants more than this person. So that was something. Make my job easy, right? Be confident. Yeah. And that's, it's something that um, I'm working with people in our industry on is you need to have more confidence with yourself a hundred percent because yeah. a lot of people that undersell themselves here can do the job better than many people who can't that are overselling right. themselves. So the test and tells I love, all. I love the, yeah, I love the testing portion too. I actually, had, we had a painter on. A long time ago about it probably about a year ago and he said the same thing he he didn't even have to test them he just had a, a corner in his in his shop and he'd have a paint bucket and a brush he'd be like hey go cut that corner in and he could tell within 30 he said he could tell within 30 seconds just the way the guy grabbed the paintbrush and held it and dipped it in the paint before he even started painting whether or not he, he had the experience necessary yeah you know to be able to uh to be confident and, and so i mean to that point yeah, like like you said, I mean, you you can hire a culture and you can do a lot of those things, and 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 ideally you want that, but um, yeah, bringing in people that, that know what they're doing obviously helps the situation as well. So there's the test portion that, that helps the experience, but there's that that you know that unwritten portion or that intangible portion that you mentioned about um, you know those four four things that you wanted them to have. How are you? making sure that they fit that is it is it are you the end all be all in that process is there are there multiple people involved in that yes um, decision making process or what does it look like okay again starting the business i would do part everything a to z and then it was it takes so much time to put the ad out interview people are they the right fit are they worth the time in an interview because traditional way people look at a resume bring them in and it's just redundant so we created a system that's been working very well for us we have job ads that put out we use a system called predictive index and it tells us their personality type if they're right for the job. Yep. If they test in the right try by call it, then we move on to a five minute Zoom interview. We have five questions we ask that are make it or break it. That comes in more with the EQ side. Are they humble, hungry, smart? So, you know, tell us a time that you showed empathy to an employee. That's a big deal because some people are like, right. we shouldn't have family and business. And we're like, ah, you're not part of our culture. You're out of here. So we don't tell them that in the interview. Um, another one is like, <laughs> tell me about a time you made a mistake and what did you do? If they blame other people, that means they're going to freaking blame everyone else on the team. They're never going to take ownership. Right. And or, then, or never had a mistake. That's the part I'm just like, <laughs> or I'm like, oh, tell me, you know, something annoying about yourself or annoying about a boss you didn't like. Again, if they can't be honest, they're not going to be honest here. So once they pass right. that like five minute Zoom call interview with the make it or break it questions, then we move them on to actually um, an official interview. If it's a position that's technical, they have to take the plan reading test. And if it's not like, you know, admin, accounting, they just come in. And yes, um, the team that they're going to work on has to vote them in. And then I am the last person to approve. Now, if it's a more serious leadership hire, 
that goes through four different people and then the entire team has to vote on your approval. Because like how many times has a company hired a COO or a CEO or or a new manager and everyone's like, whoa, this came left field. You didn't tell me about this. Uh, right, why isn't right. someone the company moving up? If you want to build trust with your team, you have to be transparent on why people aren't ready right now to move up and how bringing an outside leader they can learn from. Also, we're hiring for a director of operations right now. So I've approved of this woman. I'm really excited about her. I hope it works out. Um, but my team is going to go out to lunch with her without me. And they're going to give me the final approval. Because if I have their buy-in, awesome. it's going to work out. Yep. If I don't, and nobody yep. wins. So yep. I've learned this by watching the companies I've worked for. And I've learned this by hearing from other business owners on them bringing someone new in. And their team's like, mm -mm, they're not having it at all. And I don't want that. I have an amazing team right now, an amazing team. When they feel that their voice is heard and that they have uh, a say in the conversation or a vote, even though we agree to disagree, you still get their buy-in. You still get their buy-in. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. Well, that's what I was going to say too, is even if they, even if they don't like the person, if they know that everybody else does and they know that it's going to work out um, and that they had a chance to, like you said, their voice was heard. Um, you, you tend to tend to get those people to, to come around at some point. And that's the biggest thing. And, and I, I feel like this process for you guys might take a little bit longer, right? It's not as easy as, hey, I, I'm Natasha. I like this person. I'm the CEO. I'm hiring them, right? Yeah. Like, and, and that would be simple and pretty easy for you guys. I, I'm sure you guys have gone through plenty of candidates that, you know, maybe you liked or wanted to hire somebody else like tomorrow and it just didn't work out. But um, so this process might take longer, but at the end, it, it makes uh, running the business and, and, and growing the business a lot easier from a, from a culture standpoint. Yeah. If people have, um, like I said, they feel their voices heard in, in a respectful manner. Cause that's one of our core values. You have to respectfully voice your opinion here. Um, you get their buy-in, you get their buy-in, they'll move along. Even if they disagreed with the decision, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what's the relationship moving back over to you know, kind of in the field, what is the relationship with, with contractors, right? Because going back to where we said, you know, it, from a, from a school district standpoint, you're, you're stepping in as a, as an added cost to them and an added mm -hmm. layer of, of, of construction. Right. But to the contractor, you, you may be seen as, as a buffer or, you know, uh, something that they don't, they don't typically have to deal with or have to, um, you know, conform to is, is, is there any issue with that? Or is it, is it generally seen as a, as an assistance and in, in you guys coming in and being helpful? Oh my gosh. So if anything, um, as long as you communicate well with them on what needs to be done and how, and this is where you're like, men and women, we're great together. Us women, we love checklist. So I get my team to make a checklist for the contractor and then we go over each page of what needs to be done. And then we make sure we have a good communication relationship and it's, it's a win-win. It's the contractors sometimes that have a, I have an ego. I've been in construction for 30 right. years. Well, that's what I, who, who are without you? saying that, that's kind of what I was getting at, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of these guys, oh, have, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so, the, the industry is that way or some of the industry is that way. Yeah. So, um, I am a very assertive, aggressive woman. And so I've had one contractor where I told the, I have, I mean, our programs, they're called programs. I have architects, I have structural engineers, contractors and project inspectors all helping out with the same projects. So 
if I get one person that starts to go out of their lane or try to do this, I have to go, "Uh uh-uh, we're a team. I need you to stay in your lane and do this. One contractor, I gave him a list and I said, do not do this until DSA approves of it. What did he do? He went behind my back, did all this work, and I did not find out till I got the program approved by the state because that's who it has to be approved by first. I gave it to him and I said, hey, here's the list. Go do the work now. He's like, I already did it. I said, well, guess what? We now have 20 items added onto this list for the stuff you already ripped through that you're going to have to re-rip through again. So guess what? That's in your scope. That's on your dollar. That's on your budget because you failed to listen and communicate. And he was like, and the, the district was there. I said, uh-uh, <laughs> I made it real clear. You're supposed to do X, Y, and Z and you did not follow directions. And uh, the district was 100% behind me. And he was like, all That's right, awesome. uh, uh, I'll do it. Because you, I feel respect is earned, not given. And I do everything I can to earn my respect with people in our industry. But I also feel I have deserved it. I've been in it for 16 years. I know my lane. I know my strengths. So there needs to be trust built. And when someone goes, deviates to something else, I also make it very clear, you're not going to be on this team again. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, if you can't listen, because we're all trying to follow the program. So, yeah, Yeah. there's, I would say most all of them And also not this job, but if you want to get a job in the other next county over with the other district, I'm going to be there too. So. Oh yeah. And I'm transparent. (laughs) I'm so transparent. Um, I've had inspectors where I'm like, guess what? We're in different districts. If you can't comply or help us, I'm I'm going to make sure my clients know that you're not going to be part of our team. Be a team player. Be a damn team right. player. That's how you lead right. the project right. to success. Sorry, I don't know how that doesn't yep. come off harsh. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, like you said, I I think you said in the beginning, this industry is is built on on that kind of uh, communication and directness, right? And and that's where a lot of people uh, appreciate that, or at least a lot of people appreciate that. But it's funny. Uh, in this industry. It's funny because like. You have white collar and, you know, rough blue collar in the industry. So you have your architects, your engineers that are behind the desk. It's theory. It's, you know, office and different personalities. Those those men and women have different personalities. Then you have the field people. Oh, they're a lot different, too. But I had to learn how to work with both, how to communicate with both and come off different with both. So um, that was something that I really enjoyed the past decade is learning how to motivate each of them to stay on the team to get the job done for the clients and the community and the kids. Yeah. 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 So kind of switching gears a little bit. I, I know you, you mentioned in the beginning, a lot of what you guys do is, you know, word of mouth and, and, and your reputation in the industry, but is there anything you guys are doing outside of that from a branding or a marketing standpoint um, oh, yeah. to either generate generate business and or just kind of make sure that you're seen as as valuable in the industry oh yeah so let me tell you something about our industry school construction k through 12 higher ed you want to fall asleep sometimes with the marketing and everything going on i love fun (laughs) i love exciting i love different i love change and so when i first started out i knew people were not going to like my approach and my method with how to market with how to teach things. And I was letting it be like, no, I don't fit in that box. People aren't going to listen to me. So I joined a business group in Texas and they're all about thinking outside the box. And they're like, what is it you want to do that you haven't done? And this was last year. I'm like, I want to make YouTube videos about how to train people on DSA. And I want to make videos on LinkedIn talking about our industry and culture. But like, 
I don't know. I'm scared of standing out. I'm scared of people, what they came down to what they thought about me. And then finally, I was like, I'm sick of not being able who I want to be, which I'm a creative, visionary person. So bam, I started the YouTube channel. Bam, I started posting things about culture and purpose and vision and mission and core values on LinkedIn. I started posting mini videos about what was going on in the industry with bonds and funding and and building your teams and who to fire. I was secretly trying to give codes about some people out there. And if anything, when I would go to events, people would come up to me and be like, because that video you did, it helped me think this way. Because that video you did, it helped me solve that problem. Because I listened to you doing this, it's inspiring me to do this. And I was like, oh my God, that is so cool that because I got scared of what others were thinking in my industry, I'm able to be me and make an impact, which is one of our core values, and um, spice up the industry because just uh, the old, I know we're supposed to be professional, but we are modern professionals, I call it. Right. And so it's just right. like, let's be different. Let's make this a little fun because I'm falling asleep sometimes and <laughs> I don't do well you falling asleep. Funny? It's funny because I'm I'm right there with you. We're literally on the same level with that, right? So I I mean, by day I'm I'm a I'm an insurance broker, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I, I work with contractors and I sell insurance, which probably a lot like uh, school board construction and all that kind of stuff is mind numbing and 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 boring as hell. Um, and so I, I I went through a lot of that too with when I when I started this I I, I went through a lot of like well you know. Do I, do I want to do this podcast and be seen as the guy that has a podcast? Cause then, you know, if somebody who's got a big construction company, going to want to place their insurance with a guy who does a podcast. Is it too gimmicky? Is it too far? But then mm-hmm. like to, to your point, I, I said, you know what? F it, right? Like I, this is what I want to do. This is, I enjoy meeting people. And what's, what I found out is that people enjoy the fact, because all this does is grow my network, right? And now I've yeah. got 160 contacts inside the the construction industry and and I've connected a lot of my clients to guests and guests to other guests and guests to prospects and clients to prospects. And, and so being able to connect all those people is where I've, I've been able to be, you know, valuable to, to everybody in, in my network, which is, you know, like I said, in the end, it's all worked out, but I, I had a lot of that as well. And you have um, no you idea know. who you could impact. I had two women come up to me and say, because of you, I started my own business. I'm like, what? And you just, you know, you're doing this interview with me. Who knows what just one person needs to hear it so that they right. can feel inspired. I always tell some people like if one person watched a video that was that maybe helped or change or or had helped them have a different view, then that's the win right there. And so I know with your podcast, people sharing their stories, other people are going to hear it and be like, oh, my God, like that person went through it before me or no, I'm on the right track or screw this i'm gonna start my own business or you know like there's just there's yep. more impact you can have by being yourself 100 percent. yep and stop being scared of what the industry will think yeah. sorry uh, obviously you've you've seen a lot of feedback from it which i think probably more lends towards the branding bucket right if there's marketing and there's branding and there's two i, I think any good business person would would separate the two of those, right? Because they mm-hmm. are definitely two distinct different buckets. And I think a lot of that YouTube stuff probably fits in the branding, right? And building who you are and what you do and 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 creating your persona in the industry, um, which I think is awesome. But uh, from a marketing standpoint, is there anything you guys are doing that's directly driving business or is 
or is it uh mainly just the word of mouth from that standpoint it's it's been a lot of word of mouth but still i believe in insight and mind so you always need to ask yourself where are my decision makers at like i don't post on facebook why because the decision makers aren't going to be looking at facebook Um, i post on linkedin every single day i post on linkedin yep and yep. people reshare stuff or like it. And that's how we're insight in mind. And that's how people remember. So I'm not kidding you. It, it's like some people said, oh, yeah, I remember seeing you two years ago on LinkedIn. Or I remember seeing you two years ago um, at Cash. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to hire you. I'm like, two from two years ago? So if you constantly <laughs> say. Where you been for the last two years? Yeah. They're like, hey, <laughs> we're ready. What you been doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you're constantly staying um, insight in mind people are going to be ready for you or remember you. So I, I'm always saying like, make sure you're doing your marketing where your people, where the decision makers yep. are at and just yep. vitally focus on that. So for us, it's just purely LinkedIn and a little bit of Instagram yep. now because now the, our industry is starting to hop onto Instagram more, but it's it's just been LinkedIn and YouTube. Well, I think the, I think the leaders in the industry are getting younger, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and those people all grew up with Instagram, right? So I mean, yes. I think not that not that you know people on a school board are are sitting on Instagram during their meeting and scrolling through, but um, you know they they definitely probably grew up with it and, and are at least familiar with it, and to the point where yeah, being seen on there definitely helps. But that obviously sounds like you guys have a very deliberate plan with that. Uh, is there somebody in your office that is one hundred percent dedicated to that aspect of the business and, and keeping up with that, or is that something that you do or how does that work for you guys? So uh, I hired standpoint? a social media expert. She's amazing. Her name is Taylor. And Taylor posts 15, because we have a budget. Every company has a budget. So she'll right. post 15 times a day. I'm sorry, 15 times a month on LinkedIn for us. And then we do every other day. And then we do engagement. Um, Olivia does engagement every day, comments on five to 10 people's posts. And that's how we yep. do that. That's how it works. Because I'm sorry, it's like, my art is not creating graphics and designs. My art is hustling, getting business right, and solving right. problems. So yes, we use yep. an outside resource. We pay her, you know, her her fee and it works perfectly. I am actually going to be hiring a videographer to come in and see more behind the scenes because I feel that isn't being done in our industry and I always like to be the first and stand out. So I'm really excited to get a videographer and show like how we solve problems or make funny TikToks and things like that. But yes, yeah. it's it's uh we hire specialty people to do that. Yep. Yeah. And I love that you're using different people and obviously people from inside your business as well, right? Because you're giving different perspectives and seeing different value across some of those different channels and and being able to uh, you know, not just if it's one person, one mindset. Yep. You might you might get too narrowly focused, but when you've got a few people with eyes on it uh, and, and working it from different angles and different mindsets, I think you cast a wider net for sure. So right now we're not trying to sell to get more business because we have plenty. What we're trying to sell is our <laughs> company and our culture on why you should join our team because our entire right. industry is fighting for people. So I'm yep. like, how do we stand out and show them what PSS is about where they're going to want to join our company over pay? Because that's another thing too. That's how you win people is like, I'll throw 15 grand more at you. And it's like, no, we don't want. So we're lately the past three months, we've been selling PSS as a culture to get bites to people who are considered in joining our team. That's That's awesome. So that's been our, yeah, we're, we're hunting people right now. And if you get them to buy (laughs) it, 
Yeah, and if you get them to buy it on that, then they're less likely to leave when somebody offers them that 10 or 15 grand more, right? Yes, yes. And we we like we are new age of um, company culture. We have one day fun day at PSS because our core values, we work hard, we play hard. So like we don't work one day out of the month and we go do something fun. Like we did Sky Gym where we're all like hooked on a harness, climbing through this gym in the air. Uh, we've done like meditation, sound baths. We always think of fun things, but if we hit our numbers and things are going well, we do bigger, funner events. So it's like we show that because what company does that? Or we have flexibility right. here. We have a, a shower, you know, and the bathroom so that people can work out on their lunch break and lockers. Um, we go out to break. Like we try to show all of that so they know what they're joining. And every time they do, we hear this like, I didn't know a company like that exists. And I was like, that's we awesome. do. We exist. <laughs> yeah. We're here. We're come here. Joy, come joy. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. is there any moving, uh, you said in the next couple of years, you know, moving down the road of, of, you know, maybe full project management or construction management. Um, is there any, uh, aspirations of growing outside of just the school districts and in, in that sector, or is there enough work there to kind of live there forever? Yeah. So I'm a passionate person and nothing has excited me like building shopping centers. No building roads. So you can see grandma. <laughs> no, but schools do because it's like, it's an immediate impact you see on the community. And when yeah. I see kids get excited about a handball wall or a new gym and how it can change their lives, I kid you not, like that's what makes me jump out of bed. So if anything, I we will always stay in schools. Also, too, when recessions hit, you have those contracts, you're going to be able to withstand them. Yep, um, yep. But I do want to, at some point, expand to Texas because I love Texas. And polar opposite, I love New York. <laughs> so uh, we actually wow. we yeah. actually <laughs> have someone in training here where she wants to go move back to New York. And I'm goading, um, sorry, guiding, coaching, and pretty much, you know, she's in a, and a hybrid kind of test pilot where in the next three years, we're going to send her off to start a PSS division in New York. And the team knows That's that. Awesome. And we're all excited about yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, that I want to build schools and underserved communities. That's what I want to do. So why Texas? What's, yeah, I just, what's, okay, what's... I just, oh, if I love something, I'm passionate about it. Um, Texas is growing. I, I love the people out there. They're very kind. Um, they love their core values. And so I know with them building so many people moving over there, there's so much opportunity. And I, I just yeah. love Texas. And then on the New York side, um, I, maybe my past life I was from New York. I don't know. But ever since I was a little <laughs> girl, I was like fascinated with New York. And when I went there, the schools, how they have to build it in the city, mind blowing. And I was like, yeah, that is so, yep. so cool. It's the largest school district in the country. But I think besides yeah. LUSD too. So I, I want a part of that. I want my have my footprint in both of those areas. I'm a Gemini. I got two sides. <laughs> so maybe it's the Texas and the New York. Oh, I, I lived in Texas for about six years. What what have you been there before? What part oh, yeah. are you? Oh yeah. Okay. Um so I like go up all north the... or down south Addison, towards Austin. Texas, and... Addison. Oh yeah. Um Just Plano, Dallas, Texas, yeah. Dallas. Yeah. I want to explore more areas, but like yeah. I said, I'm part of a business group out there. So I fly in every quarter or every other month to oh, go out nice. there. And I just I love the people. I love the people. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. Well, it sounds like there's there's a plan there for the next three to five years, right? There is. Um, some expansion and some 
some growth for sure. I, I, I look forward to, to following that. I think it's, it's what you're doing is awesome. And, and, uh, obviously, uh, not, not slowing down anytime soon. Right. I mean, it going no. a million miles an hour and no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like a million miles What's per that? minute. <laughs> yeah. But I like challenges. If I'm not being challenged in life, I, I get bored when I get bored, it's not good. So that's why I love business and I love building schools because there's always challenges in that, that you grow and learn from. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. And if, and if, like you said, I mean, if you're, if you're expanding and you're, and you're growing and outside of, you know, just kind of your, your small little area geographically, there's from a school standpoint, there's always going to be work, right? I mean, they're, they're always growing for sure. Yeah. And, and even and during you, the pandemic, schools were going, being built like crazy because the kids yep, were out and they're yep. finally able to build everything. So it's like, yep. yeah, yeah, we're here to build no, for the awesome. future. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Well, Thank Natasha, you. it's been awesome. I want to give you an opportunity to let people know where to find you or how to get a hold of you or, or see your stuff or whatever it is, uh, whatever kind of uh, shout outs or links or, or uh, jobs okay. you got. Go ahead and, um, go ahead and, so let's see. On Instagram, we have PSS Cert. That's our company. And then I also have like a personal blog. It's mama underscore preneur because I talk about, you know, being a mother and a wife and owning a business and running it. So it's like my little business blog. And then on YouTube, you can put project support services. We have a bunch of training videos. If you want to get into DSA, and you're like, oh, my God, what do I do? A bunch of videos there. And then on LinkedIn, um, I'm under Natasha Melendrez Knutson. You can find me where I have a ton of posts on there also. So I'm on all those platforms. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Thank no, you. That's awesome. We will uh, we'll make sure we link all that stuff when we get this live. But I, I appreciate it again. It's been awesome chatting with you. Thank I you. I feel inspired uh, I, just being able to, to talk with you and, and feel that energy. So it's uh, I appreciate it. It's oh, awesome. I love that. I always make sure my levels are high. So you vibrate on the same <laughs> level. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you better bring it. Yep. No, yep. for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tasha, again, it's been great. I appreciate it. Uh, let's keep in touch. And if uh, you need anything in the future, make sure you reach out. Definitely will do. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So You Want to Be a Contractor. <laughs>